lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think here via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me, uh, Steve Dace, on Me, We Parlor, and Gab. And look for clips of the program, including yesterday's really powerful, I thought, conversation with our new colleague, Jason Whitlock, contrasting wokeism, the religion of the spirit of the age, uh, vis-a-vis Christianity. Uh, If you missed that, uh, we broke that out as its own separate clip. You can get that and other clips for free right now over on rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. We've got a jam-packed program lined up for you, but first I want to tell you about a new partner we have to the program because it happens to be a movie that includes a cameo appearance from yours truly. Uh, This is a movie called Order of Rights. It's a pro-life film. It's about uh, what happens when uh, a teenage couple uh, hooks up one night uh, and a baby is conceived and the young mother doesn't want to have the baby and the father does. And he decides to take uh, his case to court on the grounds that that is a person and that he has rights uh, to defend the child every bit as equal, at least, as the mother does, uh, to kill it. Uh, there's a lot of fascinating political and and legal uh, discussion in the film about the abortion debate. And then every now and then there's a couple of cameo scenes from yours truly when they get bored and they want the movie to suck. They put me in for a couple of scenes as well. Uh, This was most inspirational film at the 2019 International Christian Film Festival. Uh, It's available online now for purchase or rental via Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, Vimeo. You can also get more information. Look at the trailer if you visit orderofrightsmovie.com. Again, that's orderofrightsmovie.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we get so very few opportunities to do this. All right, but uh, and that is to bring people who are willing to come on with a differing view. So our home state of Iowa is one of the numerous states that is striking out against critical racist theory. And a local columnist has written a piece critical of it uh, and and calling this largely a canard, imaginary, uh, that, that we're, this is being blown. It's really something that is obscure within academia and is being blown out of proportion. Uh, we'll get into the conversation with why he thinks that and maybe about some other things that he thinks coming, coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will continue our look on fake news or not at our best-selling book, Faucian Bargain. And it's the Cuomo chapter that we will be discussing this week on the program. So stay tuned for that. And then Pop Culture Tuesday, the latest iteration of the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe has been unveiled. And that is the debut episode of Loki on Disney+. Plus. We will have a review and a discussion about that coming up in the next hour of the program. But before we get to all of that, of course, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by dementia. The President of the United States showed up two and a half hours late to a NATO press conference yesterday, where he proceeded to take a handful of reportedly hand-picked questions, including this one, asking whether or not Russian Premier Vladimir Putin is a killer. <laughs> to answer the first question, <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually, I... Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that uh, uh, the answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was, uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. Here's what was really going on in his head. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that... Uh, uh, the answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was, uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. Dr. Anthony Fauci seems to be warming up to the lab leak theory. Maybe somebody took it from the wild, put it in the lab, and then it escaped from the lab. But that means it was in the wild to begin with. <laughs> so that's why I don't get what they're talking about. And here's what's going on in Dr. Anthony Fauci's head. Maybe somebody took it from the wild. The flatulation the of the matter by transmitting the effervescence of the Indonesian proximity in order to further segregate the crux of my venereal infection. So that's why I don't get what they're talking about. Checking in on Chuck Schumer. I, I have found that my whole career. They wanted to build, a, uh, in when I first was assembling them, they wanted to build a, a congregate living place for retarded children. Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is, at least he didn't pull his tubin out. Speaking of tubin, CNN's ex-token Republican Anna Navarro had the unmitigated shamelessness to say this. In this case, uh, he was not sexually harassing anybody. He didn't have the intent to sexually harass somebody. He was sexually harassing himself. Woodard Rod is feel update. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger announced yesterday his office is opening up an investigation into how Fulton County handled and kept track of all absentee ballots returned in drop boxes before the 2020 election. Fulton is Georgia's largest county in terms of population, and this news comes after election officials in the county admitted about 25% of chain of custody documents for the 2020 election from those ballot drop boxes are missing. Commenting on the matter on Twitter, Secretary of State Raffensperger says, quote, Restoring confidence in our elections is going to be impossible as long as Fulton County's elections leadership continues to fail the voters of Fulton County and the voters of Georgia. They need new leadership to step up and take charge. Back in November of 2020, Raffensperger told Insider the 2020 election was, and I quote, the most secure election ever, end quote. Circling back a bit. I'll circle back. Last week, the CDC reported that there is a stronger correlation between the coronavirus vaccine and heart inflammation. Males under the age of 30 may face heart complications after receiving a full shot. 
That's according to Tom Shimabukuro, the deputy director of the CDC's Immunization Safety Office. He said that during a Food and Drug Administration advisory group. This comes on the heels of the CDC and the FDA announcing an emergency meeting to discuss the matter, an emergency meeting that was, at the time, announced for a week later. So that makes sense. And finally, Jon Stewart, the granddaddy of the partisan masturbatory brand of comedy, went on Stephen Colbert's show on CBS last night and had this prescient commentary on the lab leak hypothesis. Science has in many ways helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? the Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and, then it sneezed into my chili, and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. And that's what happened while we were away. I, I think I said this last year. The the best new movie I saw last year, and the the the, the pickings were slim, obviously with the pandemic. Okay, I mean that I first time I've never come out with like a top ten favorite movies of the year list or anything because it just wasn't enough worthy of of discussion. But the the best movie I did see last year, which I think is a legitimately great film, and it wasn't just that it was the best film of what was an overall weak year, but it's a standalone good movie, was Jon Stewart's, uh, the film he wrote and directed, uh, political comedy, Irresistible, with Steve Carell. Uh, It is a phenomenal film. Uh, It is very witty, very self-aware, much like what you saw from Jon Stewart in that clip. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Omega XL. If you're struggling, it could be your knees, your back, your neck, your shoulders, whichever is that lingering achiness and and soreness that you're struggling with. Unless it's a recent injury, chances are you're dealing with lingering inflammation. And that's why you want to get a product, not a topical rub that'll just let you get through the day. Uh, but a product that will actually attack the inflammation that's causing your pain before it does something permanent. If you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory, look no further than our friends over at Omega XL. This is the product I use each day, backed by 35 years of clinical research. If you want to give it a shot right now, they're offering buy one bottle. Get a second one for free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Let's get to the rest of what's in the montage. Aaron, if you could, in a PG-13 characterization, tell our audience your, your unfiltered, except for the PG-13 filter, 
um, your otherwise unfiltered thoughts on the Georgia Secretary of State and why? He is a he's a weasel. I, I don't. It's really hard to do this to to really convey my feelings towards him without being um, while being PG thirteen. The dude is a weasel. Say what you want about Trump and what some of the claims he was making about Dominion, blah, 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 blah. The, the dude was just, wasn't he the one who was leaking conversations? Yes, to yes the he press? was the one that was leaking the, the taped he, conversations he with Trump. He said this was the, the most secure election. Or at least in it came history. out of his office, at least. It came from his office. Or he was his, his, his yeah. aide or something like that. Yeah. The most secure election in history. And now we're six, seven months later. Eight months later, whatever it is now, I don't know how to count. Uh, eight months later, and neither do they, apparently. Eight months later now, we're now saying, um, you know what? The confidence in the, what? I thought I thought you said this was the most secure election in history. I, I just, I can't stand the guy. Like, I, I wish, I, w- I wish when people lie to me and obfuscate this truth, they would just be a little... A little more blatant about it, just a little bit nastier about it. Instead, no, this guy just tried to play it both ways early on, and now he's he's just playing politics the entire time. He's just a weasel. It's it's fascinating that on the um, when a guy we are claiming got eighty million votes, who is, is clearly a dementia patient. And you know, we had this conversation because this absolutely ties into the Georgia story. You know, we had this conversation. I brought this up kind of on a lark before. That is it just me or you seem to see Biden's dementia uh, rear its head more often when he is away from a static setting. Like when he has to organically produce a, a persona for an extended period of time, or it's away from a static and controlled setting. You'll recall that before the debates, he would essentially be gone for like a week. We wouldn't see him for like a week, right? We've seen him on the go more in Europe in the last week than we have his entire presidency. Right. So he'd be sequestered for a week. We were told doing debate prep is what we were told. I don't know. It was You think Adderall was maybe part of that debate prep. Because the level of alertness you saw those two evenings from Joe Biden compared to what we see in every other setting, it's it's just abnormal, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess we could just assume that he just, the adrenaline kicked in. He did just happen to be on those particular two nights when it was needed the most. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. or uh, But it certainly fits a motif here, which is, again, here he is away from a static setting where he has to organically engage for long periods of time and it is it is beyond embarrassing it, it's it's not even really partisan at this point it's 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 concerning i mean whether you think this guy legitimately won the last election or not i don't because of the stories like we're still talking about in georgia which i will tie this together here in a moment but the reality is he took the oath of office for president right I believe so. Yeah. So he's the most, he is, whether he's the one calling the shots or not, but officially he's the most powerful person in the country in which we live, right? Yeah. The country in which we are raising children and Aaron's getting ready to have one, correct? Yes. The country in which I am running a business, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, This is concerning because, and and, and don't believe this by the way, because they monitor everything that goes on here. 
I mean, Vladimir Putin is not just throwing out that the U.S. government assassinated Ashley Babbitt, okay, uh, you know, uh, just because it's a troll. They, they know the environment. They, they're they paying very close attention to all the very various media um, content that is produced from every side of the aisle. Our enemies are watching this and and, and, and monitoring it daily. But it's one thing to see it third person. It is another thing when you get, if you're Vladimir Putin and you get to look your sworn enemy eye to eye, you sit down with them and realize, oh my, the lights are on and nobody's home there. And then one of two things is possible and only one of two things. That enough Americans were so dumbed down And the country has become so soft that they knowingly voted for a dementia patient just to get a guy who, on any given day, could behave like a douchebag, if we're being honest, right? But on the other hand, what's the announcement today? We're hitting an all-time high for inflation. That includes like the 70s, guys. The Carter years, when we like invented the term. That suburbanites can't even be mobilized now on housing, their own housing values, the kind of uh, what, what the curriculum is that their kids will be taught in schools, whether their daughters get to play on the soccer team or a dude will take their position. The suburbanites, neighborhoods where I live, and many of you do, are so soft-headed and so far gone that they would, they would overlook all of that, the stuff that really matters to them and their children, or at least should, in order to nominate a dementia patient so they could just make a soap opera go away, right? Yes. That's, that's the most innocent explanation of what happened in the last election, right? Yeah. The alternative explanation is they just flat out stole it. It's both. It could be, and it could be even a mixture of some both, sure. I mean, we, even if you believe they stole it, I do. Um, you also cannot neglect the fact Trump's own decisions helped them do it with lockdowns and everything else that provided the rationale for, well, that's why we need mail-in voting. It's not safe, right? You have a whole chapter in the book about that. That's exactly right. So there is at least some symbiosis here. We might argue is it 50-50, 80-20, 90-10, but there's some contribution from the White House. If you believe they stole it, I do. Uh, Then there's some contribution from that to this process, meaning that whenever a crime is committed, you need means, motive, and opportunity the means and motive were always there. Right? They would have done this to George W. Bush, yes. George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, your Republican mayor. I mean, they'd have done this our whole lives if they yes. could. But they needed the opportunity to just California the country with an election process. And this provided that. Yes, it did. And at least on some level, the decisions he made helped. We can debate which level because the governors ultimately are the ones that instilled these things, right? In Wisconsin, we even found out it was your Republican state legislature that did it. But what we can argue is he played some role in in pushing the overall narrative that gave birth to this on some level, right? That's inarguable. Debatable what his culpability is, but we cannot argue he has zero of it. We can't argue that, correct? Correct. Okay. So then they just flat out stole the election to put a... That's the other option to put a dementia patient up there, knowing going in that he was never calling the shots this entire time. So then who is running the country? Regardless of which of those options it is, 
If you're Xi over in, 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 in Beijing, if you're Un over in Pyongyang, or you're Putin who's going to look him eye to eye over there in Moscow, what, what thoughts are you coming away thinking about the great, the great giant of Western civilization, the savior of Western civilization? The first and last line of defense of Western civilization. What, what are you thinking about the state of these United States right about now? Because neither one of those options are particularly comforting, right? No. They're, they, they either tell you that, 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 that they're a conquerable people or that they are a conquerable people. That they just, either way, they just can't be bothered. That either they knowingly just decided to fraud themselves in order to just make a soap opera go away that was, uh, believe me, annoying. I, I probably discussed Trump by name, le- the, the least of any conservative media host with any means or, or semblance of a, of a sizable platform. I detested the soap opera. I don't care. I didn't get into this business for that. doesn't do a damn thing for me, my kids, or yours. I don't care. I don't care about any of that crap. I do care, though, about all the crap that he actually did a fairly decent job about. So either this tells you that the American people are just this soft-headed or self-loathing. Either way, when you walk into a room and you're wondering, hey, which of these countries is the mark? We are. We're the mark. We're the mark. Now, this ties back to Georgia. Because this is also now why they have control of the Senate. The lingering questions that went unanswered. What's this guy's last name? I always forget how to pronounce it. Raffensperger. Raffensperger. This douchebag, this dirtbag, and the fact that they would not sufficiently answer the questions and the challenges. Correct. And kept saying over and over again, this is all made up. And And then shortly after... Uh, the election was certified for Biden. He was sworn in. Amazingly, amazeballs, the Republican Party in control of Georgia suddenly decided they now legislatively needed to implement all of the various reforms that we were told in the aftermath of the election weren't needed because this thing was totally on the up and up and the most secure election of our lifetimes, right? Yes. And then suddenly, now now that Stacey Abrams is going to run playbook on them in the midterms, oh, snap, get your ducks in a row now. Better for one Trump to die than for our entire grift to perish. Right? (laughs) And now, eight months later, now suddenly Fulton County's a problem. And what is the problem? Up to one in four of their mail-in ballots have no chain of custody. Do you know what happens when you walk into a court of law? I know we do this in the movies. Or on law and order. But you know what happens when you walk into a real court of law and say, hey, judge, at the last minute, I got some evidence here to throw in. Think that just gets instantly admitted? I don't know. If your name's Mike Flynn, the answer's probably yeah. But for anybody else, no. Because you have to establish what? What needs to be established? A chain of evidence. How do we know you just pull this out of your pocket? Literally from your rectum and just say, hey, I got something for y'all. Right? We don't know that. We need a chain of evidence. Can you think of a reason why 
one in four mail-in ballots in one of the largest counties in the United States, by the way. Not just the largest in Georgia. This is one of the largest counties in the U.S. Can you think of a reason why one in four ballots may lack a chain of custody? It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped, wrapped in an in enigma and yeah. cloaked in a puzzle. I can think of a... I don't, can I just casually toss a reason out there? Yes. Okay. Not saying it's the reason. I'm just saying this could be the reason. Could be. Who knows? The votes are made up and fake! That could be the reason. They just dropped this crap off in the middle of the night. Oh, snap, we're short. After all the honesty we've seen from the government during COVID, what don't you think that's a bridge too far, Steve? I just think it's really, you know what? Very irresponsible of me and anyone else who would dare to assume that the same people that brought you fake Russian collusion, fake Brett Kavanaugh marauding rapist, fake Ukrainian collusion, uh, fake vaccine data, fake mask data, fake lockdown data, would now suddenly decide to extend this to a fake election. Really, truly. Some of you just need to be more responsible with your observational skills. Folks, what you just saw right now, the Venn diagram... Of John Stewart and what he said, and Steve Dace is a circle. It's the same thing. Are you going to laugh and say, well, John Stewart has a point, but Steve doesn't on this and many other issues? That's exactly right. The same common sense that causes John Stewart to yes. say, you know, I wonder what caused a, um, uh, you know, a, a new coronavirus. Uh, to a novel coronavirus to emerge from Wuhan, China. Oh, wait, on the way to work today, or the wet market today, I passed a sign. It said, novel coronavirus, Wuhan lab, Wuhan, there. Right? Connect he, some dots. He basically stole your joke about if we didn't have Wuhan luck right there. That's exactly right, yes. Well, I'm here to use the exact same logic and tell you. The reason why they don't have a chain of evidence for at least 25% of those ballots is because they're frauds. Because we watched them just drop them off in the middle of the night. And we were told to just accept it. I wonder what the, if we did the same thing in Milwaukee County, how many of those do you think we'd have a pristine chain of evidence for? All those mail, mail drop-offs there in, in your home state of Wisconsin. What about in Wayne County in my home state of Michigan? How many of those do you think would have pristine chain of evidence? So you can believe everything else you want to believe. Or you can believe the people that wouldn't let you monitor why they counted. Then drop them off in the middle of the night. Just frauded you. I I mean, I I don't know. I kind of think Occam's razor remains in effect. What requires the least amount of leaps? The least amount of assumptions? I don't know, man. I mean, I think the Wuhan uh, virus didn't come. The novel Wuhan coronavirus didn't come from the novel Wuhan coronavirus lab. But a bat flew 964 miles from where it nests. 
and just gave a pig a rim job in a Wuhan wet market. And it just so happened to be, I made my chili or soup from that pig's ass and ate it. Snap, crackle and pop. Man, we didn't have Wuhan for luck. We'd have no luck at all. Thank you, John Stewart. Yes. Or you could believe. Well, I just think that it's just really a bureaucratic problem. I mean, these bureaucracies in these cities, uh, I mean, we know that, you know, they're overloaded and uh, they're notoriously inefficient. Okay. Right. Right. If they were notoriously inefficient, folks, if that's what this was, we wouldn't have such a very specific number lacking a chain of evidence. It would be a systemic chain of evidence. See, this has been my argument all along. If the election was on the up and up, Biden should have won by more. This is the point I've tried to make for, um, for what, the last eight months. Biden should have won by more because we should have seen these vote drops and everything else going off in every single urban sector all over the country. Should have seen it everywhere. We didn't, though. We just saw it in about a half dozen places. Democrats just happened to have total control where they just happened to need to absolutely win in order to flip the map. Weird. Weird. Not weird. Fraud. You ever try to read your own credit report? That could be an exercise in frustration, understanding all these various charts and columns. Uh, and uh, you know what? I think they almost make it confusing on purpose because uh, then the banks and the lenders, they stay in control of your personal situation rather than you. That's where our friends at ScoreMaster come in. They, they make this information accessible and transparent so that you know exactly why you have the score that you have which can make a big difference in whether you get approved for an auto, uh, a home, or a business loan, or then the types of, even if you can get an approval, the types of terms, interest rate, uh, repayment options that you're looking at with that loan as well. So they can show you exactly why you have the score that you have and then exactly what you need to get to the score that you want. What can happen when you're empowered with that kind of information? Sometimes people raise their credit score 30 points in like a week, up to 100 points in just a matter of a few weeks. All right, This can happen when you have your information at your fingertips, but in a way that you can understand and empowers you. That's what ScoreMaster does. And if you want to try it for free and see how many plus points that you could add to your score and how soon, uh, go to scoremaster.com slash steve again that's scoremaster.com slash steve obviously one of the big issues that is being debated right now is what i like to call critical racist theory uh, other people know it as critical race theory or CRTV or CRT. Uh, it is something that is uh, being delved into in legislatures around the country, including right here in our own backyard uh, of Iowa, which has had one of the more aggressive legislative processes against it. But one individual who writes for one of the big local papers here in the state has a differing view. And we struggle to get differing views on this show. And so when someone says, yes, I'm willing to come on and have the conversation, by all means, we want to be welcoming and courteous. And so we bring Adam Sullivan from the Cedar Rapids Gazette as our guest here today. Adam, how are you? 
Can we get, do we have Adam? Okay. All right. Good. Adam, Steve Dace here. Good to meet you. You can hear me. Okay. You're good. Yes, sir. Okay. So let's start with, I've, I've got your column here in front of me. There's a one or two things within it. I want to ask you about, but first I want to give you a chance to kind of make your elevator pitch, um, state your premise unfiltered by me to the audience. Go ahead. Sure. I guess the big thing is um, I certainly don't endorse all of these uh, programs and curricula that are that are in our schools. Uh, I think some of them are way over the line. Um, my issue, though, is I think critical race theory uh, doesn't actually encapsulate all those things. These ideas don't start or end with critical race theory. Uh, in fact, that is just basically a buzzword or a meme that Trump latched onto last year. And that is really the first time that um, critical race theory as a term or in a, a set of ideas got any national exposure whatsoever. It's we're talking about it right now because Trump um, signed an order in 2020 to, uh, you know, restrict its use. Um, but the big thing, the other big thing for me, excuse me, is that uh, I think what these bills are doing is that they restrict criticisms of the government. So um, the bill in Iowa says that you can't say that the Iowa or the United States is systematic, systematically or fundamentally racist. And I take Iowa and the United States to include the governments. And so when you start restricting criticisms of the government, I think that's a really dangerous place to be. One of the lines you state in your piece, quote, critical race theory is fundamentally, and you just, this is kind of a restating of what you just said. Critical race theory is fundamentally critical of the government and the power it wields over citizens. In a free society's criticisms of the state must enjoy special protection. I'm wondering how far you're willing to go with that, because in the past year, just speaking from my own experience, um, we have we have learned that it is now okay to openly discuss the origins of the Wuhan virus because government and CDC and our and the president have now opened those floodgates and therefore social media companies, which is where most of political speech happens in America these days, have now changed their standards accordingly. If I was critical of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine prior to CDC and government pointing out there might have been issues with it that were worthy of a pause, I would have been or could have been suspended or banned for that behavior. So do you think that that uh, the special protections for people that want to speak out in a way that's critical of government? Does that extend into how we have documented evidence of social media, big tech, conspiring and working with government to determine what is and isn't acceptable through the Overton window? Would you apply it to that as well? I'm certainly uncomfortable with the uh, restrictions social media companies do, and especially you know the example that you give um, with COVID is a great one. Uh, masks is another example from more than a year ago. They said masks weren't important, and they said that you have to wear a mask. Um, and you did see social media companies, you know, they took the the government line on all those things. So if you said something that was out of bounds, according to the federal government, you couldn't say it on social media. Um, I would draw a line, and I bet we disagree about this, but, you know, Facebook, Twitter are still private actors. Um, you know, they I, I think they have a right to control their content the way they'd like, but it certainly makes me uncomfortable when you see the federal government conspiring with them. And I give you another example. The Biden administration said they wouldn't do a vaccine passport, but now we know they've been working with private companies to kind of sign off on their vaccine port passport. So the government's not going to require it, but they're working with these private companies to provide one. Um, certainly it makes me uncomfortable, but I, I would draw a line between that and, you know, making a state law that says in classrooms and in certain government settings, you can't criticize the government in certain ways. Okay. So one of the other lines in your column, it says, that's what schools are supposed to do. Present a variety of ideas to consider, not hand down one set of government approved facts. So I, I don't mean to profile you, but you look like you might be a little younger than me. 
Uh, I remember several years ago here in Iowa, we had a, a case that went national uh, because we had a fairly decorated uh, astrophysicist named Guillermo Gonzalez at Iowa State University. He had authored in his spare time a, a, a book and a video on what later became known as intelligent design. The idea that there's just too many random occurrences that have occurred within the universe to assume uh, just random processes were the result of what we call life. Uh, and for that, that touched off a massive debate about whether he should have been kicked out of the university, denied tenure, things of that nature, uh, because, and this was a public university, so this is a this is essentially an extension of, uh, of, of, of as, as a government apparatus, about whether he was free to say those things or not. What's your view of that? Does that apply to a conversation like that? Um, certainly, I, I don't think somebody saying those types of things ought to be removed from any kind of uh, state-funded position. Um, but the bigger thing, and I think you probably agree with me, is, is, is the the public sector, especially in education, has way too big a footprint, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the universities, I understand that those are going to get some state funding, but at the um, K-12 level, which is, I think, what the, a lot of the concern with critical race theory comes from, um, you know, the solution to this is school choice, in my mind. And so in Iowa this year, we did some very limited school choice um, you know, if we get some new charter schools coming up here, maybe we'll have some charter schools that mm -hmm. teach critical race theory or associated beliefs. Again, you know, I, I think I think that's an overgeneralization to use that term, and we'll have some that won't. And I think that that is the anytime you have public schools, they, they can't teach just hard, stone cold facts. You know, you could maybe just teach math and writing if you just taught hard facts. Um, so anytime you do have public schooling, you have these tricky situations where uh, people have to make judgment calls. They have to make uh, take on controversial subjects. Um, and there's people like you who are going to say, well, I don't want my tax money used for that. And I think that's totally fair. But as long as we do have public schools, I think they, they should be uh, relatively unrestricted, especially to criticize the government. Okay. So the reason I asked those two questions is I wanted our audience to see the premise that you are coming from. Okay. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems your premise is you are concerned about a precedent that this will be set overall that uh, essentially it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun later on we'll set a precedent and someone else then will be in control of the legislature and decide well we don't like that certain things that you guys agree are taught that we used to teach so we're not going to do those things anymore that you're essentially making which by the way i make all the time because they're almost always undefeated you're essentially making your variation of a slippery slope argument am i wrong um, I am concerned about mission creep when we talk about these things, uh, but I, I think this law is bad in and of itself. Um, I think to say that the the, the government is not racist, I, I think one is wrong. Um, two, I think that uh, even if you disagree with that, I think that should be you know any criticism of the government ought to be up for debate. Um, and, and, you, and this Iowa law specifically uh, speaks to that. And the Florida law is even much worse. Um, they try to define critical race theory as you know, in part as racism being embedded in the legal system. Um, which I just think is 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 true. The, the, there are uh, racist outcomes of the of the criminal justice system, um, and I think uh, we ought to be able to talk about that. So, so yeah, I am concerned that this could go farther, that they could start restricting other things. But I think this, in and of itself, is bad. All right. So I want to come back to that argument because you're, you're making kind of the systemic racism argument. I want to come back to that in a second. One of the premises that, that you assert in your piece is that this is largely a canard. Uh, you even said it a few minutes ago. Uh, you know, Trump signed an executive order about this. And so this is like meme as policy, that this is largely uh, relegated to the obscure sectors of academia. Uh, I want to give you let you see a couple of minute to video montage and then I want to give you a chance to respond. Watch this. Today, I am resigning from a job I love. My name is Dana Stangle Plow. 
I became an English teacher at Dwight Englewood School because as a parent, I loved how the school both nurtured and challenged my own children. But over the past few years, the school has embraced an ideology that requires students to see themselves as representatives of a group defined by identifiers like gender and skin color. I've seen in my classroom how this ideology hinders students' ability to read, write, and think. I've tried to introduce positive alternative views, but my efforts have fallen on deaf ears. The school has created a culture of conformity and fear. I'm fully aligned with the values in Dwight Englewood's mission statement community, diversity, courage, and making the world a better place. But the school is failing in its mission. Dwight Englewood used to claim that we teach students how to think, not what to think. But sadly, that is just no longer true. That man kept me down. How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Uh, this, this, this is the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we're even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm going to say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Character. Their character, not their skin. Absolutely. If they letting this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. None of y'all gonna sit there and just pee, pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. My name is Keisha King. I'm a mom of two, one who's in the Duval County Public School System and one in private school thanks to school choice. I'm also a member of Moms for Liberty, uh, representing thousands of parents. Just coming off of May 31st, marking the 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT and its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed stat uh, status in America because they are black is racist and saying that white people are automatically above me, my children or any child is racist as well. So Adam, there we have a public school teacher in New Jersey, uh, a blue state who describes herself as a humanist. Uh, we have two black Americans, one in Illinois. That's one of the bluest of states. If this is imaginary, what are they addressing? And then how would you respond to the concerns that they raise? I believe that's actually a private school that that woman resigned from. Um, but I, I, I think the concerns are valid. I, I, like I said at the onset, I don't endorse these curriculum. Um, I don't. Um, I, I think some of them have some value in them. I think some of them go too far. Um, but I, it's not correct to call them critical race theory. Um, that's like I said, that's kind of a catch-all term people have uh, adopted to to talk about stuff they don't like in schools. Basically, um, I absolutely think that uh, you know we need to raise the voices of Black parents, whether they whether they endorse these ideas or oppose them. I think they ought to have a place uh, in the decision-making process, like the folks that you've shown. 
Um, but it, it all comes down to me that, uh, you know, even ideas I don't like, I don't want to ban, even if it's in a public school. I want families to have school choice. Um, but I, I think there's that no ideas dangerous. that you would ever ban sexualizing kids. You wouldn't ban that. There's nothing. Nothing you could ban that no, nothing that exactly. you would think we should that kids just should not be subjected to that. There's literally nothing. What is the is what's the is that not dealt with under existing law? I guess I'm not sure. I don't I don't what. know. Well, it's not if it's called a public library. So there, there's there's nothing, though. You, do you have any children, Adam? Um, no, it's, I, I don't have children. Okay. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to necessarily say I wouldn't ban any kind of ideas. But, um, you know, I, I if you gave me some language about a ban on sexualizing children, I you know, I, I could see myself supporting that. I don't know what the, the finer points of that. Okay. So there like. is at least there are lines. We're just disagreeing then what the line may be. Okay. But there sure, certainly well, is a line, line somewhere. Is that, well, one good line that I think is a pretty bright red line is that you shouldn't restrict criticisms of the government. Even if the government is with their teaching is evil and wrong. If the, Hey, when the government, did you think that in the Jim Crow South? That, hey, you know, the, the government, we shouldn't be critical of the government teaching that uh, we should segregate blacks and they're inferior. Did that line, does no, that line apply does in it. Mississippi in 1952, like you think it does in Iowa in 2021? Well, no, Steve, the analogy would be is if if in Jim Crow South that you were not allowed to say that the, the government is racist, because that's what we're saying right here. Um, so I, I'm saying we can't outlaw criticisms of the government. So certainly uh, if places where this is being taught you should go criticize the school board uh, if you don't feel comfortable with it. But what this bill does in Iowa and in Florida, I haven't read other states, but it they specifically mentioned criticisms of the state, calling the state racist, calling the state sexist. Um, and I don't Would think you, the no, I, I understand why you are it. asserting that. Would you have, if you were in the Mississippi legislature in the 50s, would you have supported a bill banning the teaching of segregation in the public schools? Or would you have said, hey, you know, that's an opinion that has merit and that's, you know, that you can disagree with it, but it's not something our kids should not be necessarily exposed to. Would you have supported that? To bar advocating for segregation? Yes, yes. Among public school teachers? Yeah. Um, I guess that sounds fine to me. I haven't thought through it. Okay. Final thing. Do you, you said you, you clearly believe in some form of systemic racism, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, so as you know, I live in Iowa City, the most progressive community in the state. We have the worst disparities for marijuana arrests between black and white, even though there's no evidence to say that black people smoke marijuana. Um, we, our local schools here in Iowa City, keep, keep putting black kids in seclusion rooms way more than white kids. Um, and then uh, uh, we just recently found up north in Cedar Rapids, also a very liberal community, that they have these school resource officers that are, you know, they're charging these black kids with crimes at a way higher rate. And so okay. those are all government acts okay. in good progressive communities, and they're doing racist stuff. Have you ever considered resigning your position because there might be somebody black who could do it as good or better than you, but they're underrepresented in America's newsrooms right now? I'll give you the last word. I got 30 seconds. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'd resign my position, but absolutely my publication has not done a good job at uh, attracting and, and supporting uh, journalists of color. And so it's an issue I definitely care about. Adam, it was it was courageous for you to come on today. We appreciate it. Thank you for offering our audience a, a contrarian view. All right. Take care. Thanks, Steve. You bet. We'll come back here with Hour 2 here in a moment. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. want to thank Adam Sullivan from the Cedar Rapids Gazette for hopping on board uh, and coming into the lion's den here with a contrarian opinion. We would do that a lot more often. Unfortunately, we, we can't get a lot of people that 
have enough uh, confidence in their own beliefs and courage in their own convictions to do so, um, especially because every time we've done it, I go out of my way to make sure that the other, because I've, because you know why, man, it's that whole love your neighbors, you love yourself thing. I remember many a day sitting in a chair on a sat up link with one of these things in my ear outnumbered on a four person MSNBC panel, not counting the host. Right. And then looking at my watch, knowing when this segment was supposed to end and knowing that they're going, they're all going to get all their talking points in. And then I'm going to get to come in here at the very end and have to come up with something from my viewpoint that matters with far less time than everybody else. Right. Right. Or if it's really bad for my set, for my side, they're going to make me go first. Right. Okay. So I have been in those situations and um, it, I'm, it was not easy for Adam to do that and to come on here and uh, articulate his position. So we thank him uh, for doing that. Really quickly, let it be said that Steve just did more for Adam in his position than this entire state and most of major media across the nation did for Fauci and Bargain. So choke on that, folks. Mm. I'm glad you said it. I I can't say stuff like that. It just comes across as very self-serving. I can, and I like it, and I'm good at it. <laughs> anyway, separate. That's separate. <laughs> Although, uh, the, from the fact, we want to thank Adam yes. for coming on. Uh, believe me, we have made these overtures how many times over the years, and they are rarely. I mean, we had Michelle Goldberg. You had uh, Noah Rothman. Is that like it? Not counting our buddy Paul, although um, a lot of a lot. Heather Heather Timmons, yeah Heather, yes, that's for, a while that, back, yeah, yeah, that was a while back. I don't know. Does Paul count though? Mm. I mean, he disagrees with us on a few fundamental things, but he, he shares at first. Yeah, but now they've yeah, kind of blown that over. It, to frankly, him, we we just despise a lot of the same people. Yeah. Maybe it's for different reasons, yes. but we just despise a lot of the same people. So we, at this point, we're just trying to one-up each other with like memes and put downs. <laughs> it's not even a debate anymore. Now the debate is who can be snottier from their particular side of the street. Now we're 16-year-olds in the locker room again, and that's Steve's happy place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so to me, it's just like we're, we're, he's more friend than foe at this point. Uh, this portion of the show, now if you are concerned about critical racist theory and you're in a place where you cannot get out of it, or you just realize, you know what, we can do this homeschooling thing uh, with online in-person learning. We don't have to be all stressed out about getting everybody to school early in the morning. I don't have to be stressed out the rest of the day about what they're learning in that school the rest of the afternoon, right? You want to check out our friends at Freedom Project Academy. This is Dr. Tuke Pesta and his operation. Uh, he was instrumental. I got to know him through the Common Core debate. And this is kind of an outreach uh, off of that uh, endeavor. Uh, I've had my own son in this uh, for the last for a couple of years. I can't give it a better endorsement than I, I subjected my own child to it, which is why I would suggest that you consider it as well. They teach you how to think, not what to think. Mastery of subject matter, not propaganda. Critical thinking is the basis along with the Judeo-Christian viewpoint. This is the way the founding generations of the country were taught. They will teach your child the same. If you want to get a free Free information packet looking ahead to the fall and your options go right now to freedomforschool.com that's freedomforschool.com one more time freedomforschool.com it is now time for fake news or not as we continue our look through our best-selling book Fauci and Bargain the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history and if last week we talked about the chapter that, for me, was the biggest challenge after you... So the way this book worked is you did all the compiling 
I did a lot of the writing uh, and then we collaborated on the conclusion, right? That's that's pretty much how it worked. Yeah. When when we went to the Wuhan cha- Wuhan lab chapter, I mentioned last week, this was the most personally difficult for me because it was very difficult to gauge where would this story be when and then after the book came out, right? And and let's not get in over our skis because we're not talking about anything. Just so you guys know, in, in case any of you don't. Is anything right now that's being discussed openly and fairly about this lab right now, anything that we didn't believe before this book came out? No. No. Anything that we weren't fairly confident was true a year ago at this time? No. 15, last March? No. No. But the question is, though, could we get over our skis to the point that we do something that's reckless that then damages the credibility of the rest of the book, right? Sure. Sure. This chapter is the opposite. This is like Jack Nicholson's Joker it, when he says to Bob in the 1989 Batman, hard to stay inside the lines. All right, I mean, this was a target-rich environment. This chapter was almost so much fun. Eventually, we just had to just cut it off and move on, okay? Because this is the chapter where we deal with the vile figure of Andrew Cuomo. And... Steve has said before in other uh, topics through the years that, you know, if you presented this reality to somebody as a movie script, they'd look at you and say, this is not believable in any way, shape, or form. Well, here we are, so buckle up, folks. Fake news or not, Steve, Cuomo's book titled American Crisis was announced just one month after Fauci blessed him with, quote, New York did it correctly status from his COVID pulpit. That is true news. Uh, Fauci, I believe, was it on NPR, I think is who he appeared on in July of last year, uh, where he uh, gave a benediction, man, a blessing uh, to uh, to Fauci. I mean, this is, or, or to Cuomo. Uh, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then, I don't know, it's a heck of a coincidence if it wasn't one. It's maybe sometimes, again, it's just that Wuhan for luck, man. Sometimes it's just, you're walking on sunshine, Katrina. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everywhere you go, it's just like, it's just like rain and manna and gold. You just tiptoe between the raindrops. Just so happens that it was within a, shortly thereafter, his publisher announced, oh, by the way, here's the, uh, the new book from Andrew Cuomo on his leader crisis during the COVID uh, pandemic. In the beginning of the book, you say every Messiah needs their apostles. Yes, and the Messiah had been on television every weekend at magazine covers all the time. Why wouldn't the logical conclusion of such a imprimatur from Fauci himself said, I'm getting in on this cash. So are we going to make the argument then? Let me give, I'll give you a fake news or not. Fake news or not, Andrew Cuomo is the St. Peter of the Church of Fauci, of the Branch Covidian cult. Yeah. True news, man. He's the first bishop of it, right? True news. I mean, he put all of their all of their um, their strategies and talking points into motion. It's going to be one of the few states in the union that will have an active vaccination passport program, right? I mean, right down to the last codicil. Yeah. I mean, he had, he's he's done all of the Faucian binding and loosening here, has he not? Yes, that is good. And remember, we just had Jordan Schachtel on the show last week. To talk about the premise of uh, um, DeSantis in Florida mm-hmm. and what he well is the, this is the other side of that coin. Is this it is not? the alter ego. Yeah, yes. This is why, and it's not over yet. I will admit, I am surprised he has lasted this long. 
but there are numerous probes into him right now. There's even another one that just got announced last week. I am surprised that they have allowed the talking point of Cuomo to remain for as long as they have because it is it is it is Ron DeSantis and and all of his emulators now all the Republican governors in Mississippi, Texas, Arizona attempting to emulate his exploits. Isn't it it's all of their instant get out of jail free card talking point, right? Mm-hmm. They just contrast themselves with the disaster of Cuomo, the unlikability of Cuomo, the 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 dastardly acts of all the elderly that were killed under Cuomo, the fact that even when we had the second wave this winter, his state was still was was still hit harder than the vast majority of the other second wave states were, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is such an easy deflection. It's similar to eventually they were going to have to get rid of the masks in in accordance with the vaccines because it just wasn't a defendable point to say, go get an experimental injection, but still have to live like a leper, right? Right. That eventually when they were going to make the calculus that when it most benefited them or this was so taking on water, they had to cut it loose that they were going to have to take that talking point away from us, right? Right. Cuomo is that talking point now for any Republican facing any level of scrutiny whatsoever on their COVID policies or masking or lack thereof policies or not doing a vaccine passport. He is an he's an instant human shield, an instant get out of jail free card that is just left dangling out there. I mean, it's just like every time you hit that guy with like with, with a stick, political gold pops out. And, and, and just and, and covers the wearer. I, 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 I am surprised they've allowed it to go on for this long. But isn't it chilling that they would rather deal with that than whatever they need him there for? Yes. Fake news or not, Steve, after Biden's inaugural, Fauci's quote that the idea you can get up here and let the science speak is somewhat of a liberating feeling, end quote, is one of the most criminally hilarious statements of all time. Yes, that that is also true news. And it, it dovetails with, what did he say last week? I am the science. Criticizing me is criticizing science, right? That's the, it, so these were all robust commentary within the book when it was released. How long ago, Steve? Just what we've learned End since of March. then. End of March. And the insanity that has transpired out of Fauci's mouth since then only makes that that we're dealing with a pathological human being. There's no question about that. Yes. Here's the issue, though. If he weren't there right now, as we go back to what we point on the introduction, is he unique? No. No. I am the news. Yes. I am your I am the university. I am your curriculum. Yes. I am the church. Yes. This is and, and oh by the way, the, the first two words there. Huh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll preach. Yeah. I mean, what is what is original sin ye be like yeah. God? Right? This is this is legion in our in the culture. This is in every leadership sector. And if it weren't Fauci, if he would have retired like most people do because he's 80 now, then we, we might have actually gotten through this sooner 
because it wouldn't have, it would have been somebody that doesn't have the built-in cachet with the media and that instant uh, kind of awe shucks like ability. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been someone who was far more clinical, far less likable, like the you know the Michigan Department of Health person, for example. Um, but but the but. But the fundamentals, the timing might have, this might have lasted longer or shorter based on the personality that we were fed, okay? Mm-hmm. But would the fundamentals have been any different? No. no. And that's important to remember. And it, that's why the very first point we made in a book titled Fauci and Bargain was the very first point, this is bigger than him. He's, he is the construct of a Leviathan. You just get rid of him. You're just really unplugging one port of the matrix. You have not thrown the ring of power into the into the sea of Mordor yet. Just one golem. All right. Now remember uh, how liberated uh, Fauci Field felt under uh, dealing with Cuomo and uh, with uh, Biden, and how he was uh, how he gave. Uh, Cuomo, the confidence to go forward with writing this book. Remember that when I say ask you this, Steve. Fake news or not? I am the science Fauci said upon discovering Cuomo had lied about at least 6,000 deaths in senior living facilities Mm -hmm. that, quote, I'm honestly not trying to evade your question, but I'm not really sure of all the details of that. And I think if I make a statement, it probably could either be incorrect or taken out of context. So I prefer not to comment, end quote. See, this is actually one of my favorite moments of this entire scandemic charade because who's your messiah now Fauci yes yes because he was perfectly willing to speak with certainty about things for which either we already had studies that shown it didn't work or we weren't sure about okay even if you want to give him the most benefit of the doubt on the masks and I want to I, I want to reset this there were two occasions last year that I actually advocated for giving the masks a shot right at the very beginning I know. and about this time last year, right? Yes. Okay, during the Sunbelt wave. Yes. So, but if you want to give them the most benefit of the doubt, hey, we initially thought this thing was spread by droplets. That explains the rationale for why the mask doesn't protect you, but protects other people from being exposed to your droplets, right? Yes. Okay. You want to give them the most benefit of the doubt about that. Fine, at the outset. But as this went on, months and months and months and months of this went on. And, the, and we're now getting real-time data that shows they don't work. The masks don't work. His reply, double mask. Yeah. Goggles. Yes, double mask. You know, I, uh, um, you, dude, don't hire Fauci to be your oncologist. Well, ma'am, um, we had that one lump in your breast. Or we thought if we, we removed the breast, uh, that the cancer would go with it. Didn't work. So uh, we got to take the other one, too. Wuhan I mean, just, luck strikes yeah, again. The, the doubling down on a premise that... What science is that? Double down on a premise that doesn't work? You know, I'm not sure that, got, that, that, that my hypothesis that humans can singularly defy gravity... You know, I threw my first kid out the plane and he went kaplooey. I'm still not sure, though, that that premise isn't sound. Clap your arms harder, boy. Yes, let me throw the next one out the plane while I'm at it. So, I mean, the amount of certainty that he has spoken with through forked tongue for the last year and a half 
on a bunch of things that science had already speculated through studies don't work, or at the very least were unsure about. But here Cuomo's own people we got body bags, codes. And his people the, admitted it. His yes, own people. Yes, in writing. We've got dead bodies. Coded, tagged, bagged, admitted. Oh, uh, you know, I don't really want to speculate on that one. That, this no, is, this fiction, is, folks. Not this is one of my personal favorite moments of this entire farce. Tragic, totalitarian farce. Fake news or not, Steve, Cuomo's defense was he was, quote, just following federal guidelines, end quote, which will be the title of the new film featuring De Niro and Pacino playing Cuomo and Fauci. <laughs> just following <laughs> They write themselves, folks. Oh, man, if that movie were to come out on their opening day, okay? Except it would probably need to be like John Cleese and John Stewart, if you know what I'm saying. Just following federal guidelines. You know, they sh- maybe should have tried that at Nuremberg. We were just following federal guidelines here, okay? But, um... Can you, this is a, I, I wrote this before I saw the John Stewart video. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if we, we had that sensibility? My goodness, we've, we've been reveling in dark comedy for a year and a half now. Yes. Can you imagine if just some of the people in the press, in the com- comedy community on the left, if John Stewart, instead of here when it's safe a year and a half later, had been saying this? A year and a half ago, what a different world we'd be living in. I'm glad you brought that back around because I think this is a good opportunity to discuss the full context of a term we use a lot on our show, self-awareness. And I, and I think most of the time when you folks hear us talk about self-awareness or we're even addressing it, it's in the context of people that are just so far gone. They, they just don't look or apply these things to themselves. Right? Right. But here's why self-aware... So we talk about what it looks like when we lack it, right? Can we talk for a minute why it's important, though, when we don't? And let's bring in Jon Stewart into this conversation. When I talked about his movie Irresistible uh, last hour, how much I loved that movie when it came out last year, and I used... I said it was witty and self-aware. Did I say I agreed with all the viewpoints of the movie? You did not. No, I did not. Because I don't. But the movie is self-aware in that it it begins from a premise that his party did something to lose rural America. And he's trying to figure out what it is. All right? Now, he would utter a lot of the same canards about Trump. Most racist president ever. Most anti-Semitic president ever with a daughter who converted to Judaism to marry a schmuck son-in-law. Right? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So the, all those canards would be thrown in, right? Yeah. Similar with a Bill Maher, right? But, but he at least wants to know, he's at least objectively applying his own standards, saying, it's because I believe Trump is all those things that I don't understand why we lost these people to this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Why'd they fall for this? Yeah. So let me try to find out. Let me go live in their world for a while. See, there's self-awareness there. The idea that I have some responsibility in a situation that I don't like. You're talking about Nick Kristoff for 15 minutes after Trump beat Clinton yes. and then it all went away. That's correct. Yes. When we... I've, I've, there are two things we, can, we, we need to keep our society together. 
barring a revival. Empathy. Real empathy. Like, let me really consider somebody else's viewpoints. You know, there's a big controversy going on right now with my favorite college football team and whether Bo Schembechler is the new Joe Paterno, okay? Now, the difference is, and, and Paterno was still alive. Bo's been dead for 15 years, so he's not here to defend himself. The woman he was married to at the time that this predator was within the athletic program, Millie, his wife, she's been dead for 20-plus years. And, and so... I, we, right now, we're, we're, there's this battle over whether or not to immediately, there's a few players that have come out from that era of the hundreds that he's coached and said, I let Bo know he ignored me, that this happened to me. He ignored me. Should they be heard? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We were the show that said, let's put Christy, Christy yes. Blasey Ford in Congress on camera and let's see what she has to say, right? right? But now there's this notion that the several hundreds of players who also played during that era, like, like they can't have another view. Does does it mean their view is right? Does no. that does that does that mean if they have they don't believe that Bo, Bo, Bo is capable of this? First of all, we're a total depravity show. We believe everybody's capable of anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but what is my position on this? Is I got an idea. Since the guy's not here to defend himself, the the AD at the time he's dead too. At Penn State, the coach, the AD, the president, all those people were all still there, right? Mm-hmm. That's why several of them went to prison. The people that are involved here are all dead. So if we're going to go with eyewitness testimony, because we can't go directly to, culp- to, to, to accuse the people guilty of this, potentially, then what is wrong with just hearing everybody's viewpoint? And maybe if the, Bo, if the, pro, Bo for, if the pro Bo forces, their only argument is Bo couldn't have done this. That ain't going to be good enough, is it? Like you got to come up with better arguments than that's my coach and I just didn't want to believe that he could have had a dark side. Mm-hmm. That, won't, that won't be sufficient in the, in, the, right. in the court of public opinion, will it? But don't they, don't we deserve to find out? Don't they deserve? And don't we want to know if that is the only case they could make? What's wrong with letting them make their case? Then you might reject it, right? Right. I, we just had a guy on that wanted yeah, to argue for, for not point. banning critical racist theory. I don't, right. did, I didn't agree with like a singular point that he made, but I w- appreciated hearing what he had to say sure. and having the courage to come on and say it. See, that's empathy. The idea that I really do care where you, who you are, what you're going through, what you think, even if it's different from me, that's lacking. Self-awareness, I think, is needed for empathy to happen. Because without self-awareness, we don't acknowledge, you know what, I'm flawed. I'm frail. And because of that, because I acknowledge that, then I'm going to listen to you, even if I don't end up agreeing with any of it, on the off chance, though, that you might, you might tell me something I needed to hear or I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Those two things are what's lacking more than any characteristics in our society right now. And it's because we lack empathy and self-awareness. If I brought in yesterday's conversation with Jason Whitlock, that's why we, have, we live in a zero forgiveness free zone in society. Because if I belong to a certain group, I'm automatically better than you. Therefore, self-awareness is no longer necessary. I'm the superior and if I'm superior to you and, uh, uh, you know, a boot doesn't have empathy for an ant, right? A hammer doesn't have empathy for a nail, correct? Correct. Correct. Do you have empathy for a, when, when you swat a mosquito that gets through your screen door in the summertime when you're out grilling? Do you have empathy for that mosquito? No. No, you're the superior, right? Sure. See where I'm getting at with this. Yes, I do. And the great thing about John Stewart is the self-awareness. You're seeing self-awareness from Bill Maher. 
You've seen it from Naomi Wolf. If we can just get to the notion that it's at least possible, my viewpoint could be somewhat imprecise, and therefore I should maybe consider yours. Dude, wouldn't that do a lot to diffuse a lot of the tensions around this place? Yeah, that's what my premise at the beginning. But the self-awareness is gone. Yes. And instead, because I'm superior to you, there's only certainty. Anthony Fauci is superior to you. So he just gets to speak with certainty and you will follow. Yes. Andrew Cuomo is superior to you. This is the fundamental. So he just gets to speak with certainty and you will follow. And then, of course, we all recognize when their flaws come out or their lies come out or their dishonesties come out that they're not superior. This creates a loathing, a backlash, disdain. And sooner or later, you keep pushing this on the people who own all the guns and you're going to really regret it when that rubber band snaps back. Okay. Self-awareness and empathy sorely lacking in our culture today. It's, it's why I kept, I've, I've brought up the point, what if Fauci had said to us from the beginning, guys, we don't really know, can't trust the Chinese on the virus, the origins of it, don't know where it's from, we're not sure about natural immunity and other things that within the, within the natural laws, we don't know if it's a synthetic, so we're going to try a lot of things that in the past we didn't think worked, we're just going to throw these things out there, we'll follow it in real time for the next six months to see if this helps us get out of this, as soon. right, right, yeah. would that have been a completely, would, would, how much different would our show have been? For the last year and a half. I think a lot. A lot. But they didn't do any of that, did they? They did not. They didn't. The Imperial College survey was discredited within days. They just memory hold it like it never happened. And then they brought in a new model that kept getting from, from the University of Washington, IHME. And then it just kept getting discredited daily right in front of us. Yes. And then they acted like this never happened. Right. Right. I don't know how many charts our, our buddy Ian Miller at Rational Ground has to point out on masks. How many has he put out there in the last year? A thousand? Yeah. Ignored. They just ignored. But but if Ian Miller went out on his on his, and did a chart on uh, black people he thinks are inferior to whites, all the media people that are ignoring him when he points out masks right. don't work would suddenly know his name, would yes, they not? They would. Of course they would. See? That's why this book is so much more about COVID no, and yeah, Fauci. Yeah, no self-awareness. No, therefore, there's no empathy. And there's no empathy. So there's no self-awareness. Well, I have two left. I'm going to combine them into one to get your answer. People need to hear this. Fake news or not, Steve, Fauci has a very long history with the Cuomo family. And while Fauci drove the getaway car for Cuomo, he threw Trump under the bus when he said, quote, I have never publicly endorsed any political candidate. The comments attributed to me without my permission were taken out of context, end quote, upon the release of a Trump campaign ad quoting Fauci as saying, quote, I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. Both of those things are true. He's a longtime Cuomo family friend. Admitted this even on uh, CNN that uh, him and Chris, they, he was calling him at night to see how he was doing when he <clears throat> yes. had COVID. Okay. Um, and then when um, they used the clip that he said about why the tr- president was right to lock the country down uh, and close the border, uh, when they put that in there, he said, well, I'm not endorsing a candidate. I mean, he's just a dissembler. Yeah. And dissemblers don't have empathy and don't have self-awareness because they, they, they're, they're motivated either by the fact they're either sociopaths or they think they're superior to you. And then if it's the latter, sometimes they let their notion that they're superior to you devolve to the point of becoming a sociopath. 
but it's always one or the other. And that's what he is. He's a dissembler. Can you guys think of another being and who has spawned other beings who are also dissemblers? Can you think of any? Did God really any, say Steve? any any class of beings that are also inherently dissembling who follow a master dissembler? Can you guys Think of any, at least maybe at least a fictional character or anything come to mind at all. Because you know what? I thought I had something on the tip of my tongue and then it's just, it's gone now. It's, it's vanished. I can't think of anything. Nothing? Let us ponder it upon the light of the morning star, shall we? Yes, indeed. We shall. We'll come back. It'll be Pop Culture Tuesday when we return. The MCU is back with its latest concoction iteration and it is Loki. Episode one aired last week. We will review without spoilers as best we can. We will review and then comment next. Stay tuned. Back here with some Pop Culture Tuesday brought to you by Built Bar. We've got a new convert. We told you yesterday, Aaron has finally given it a shot. Uh, he tried one of the uh, the coconut, uh, chocolate-covered coconut uh, Built Bars. Absolutely fell in love with it. Todd has uh, previously tried that, then tried the new birthday cake flavor last week here for the show as well. I'm telling you, it's the best protein bar you have ever ever had and i don't know if they're offering it for the gen pop but if they if 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 they start selling maybe i'm just in the test market because we're endorsers but the grasshopper cookie thing man that they sent me is i mean that's just i'm just telling you if i cut that thing in half and then like cut in half half the candy bars out there you would not know the difference or you'd rank this higher than a lot of the candy bars that's how good some of these built bars are they're all really good all covered in real chocolate, all 160 or so calories or less, five net carbs or less, seven grams of sugar or less. Fits into any healthy lifestyle, low carb, low sugar, low cal. Uh, and did I mention they are delicious? And if you want to try them right now or you want to try them again and again and again, either way, just keep using my last name, Dace, as your promo code to get 15% off your first order or next order uh, or ensuing order. When you go to BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T, for BuiltBar.com, promo code DACE to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And Marvel is out with its much-awaited latest series, Loki, based on probably the most... (sighs) He's somewhere between villain and anti-hero. Fair? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, this is really the breakout character of the MCU, right? Uh, and he's the only like Thor villain most people have ever heard of because he's also mentioned in Norse mythology. But I mean, what, what Tom Hiddleston did with this role uh, was just so loved that they just kept finding new ways to bring this character back in order to bring him back. And, of course, the uh, the Avengers, uh, the final installment of the original MCU leading up to Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, it looks like Loki is dead, dead, and he is technically dead, dead 
But in Endgame, in order to go back and reverse the Thanos snap, uh, a, a strain of time gets messed up when a still mischievous trickster, more villain than anti-hero, fair, Loki, from yes. 2012 is able to grab one of the Infinity Stones we call the Tesseract uh, and use that to escape his looming imprisonment, which then began uh, a, a, an offshoot of time, uh, what they call a variant which brings in a wing of the Marvel universe I'm not that familiar with. I didn't read a lot about that when I was a kid. I know all the cosmic stuff and all the Earthbound stuff, but the time stuff through the TVA, the Time Variant Authority, and the Time Keepers and all that stuff, a lot of this is going to be kind of new to me. Uh, and they are, we don't know, did, did somebody uh, divine appoint them? Are they self-appointed masters of the timeline to make sure that the timeline remains intact? But they are now after Loki, and apparently um, it's in order to stop a time bandit, pardon the pun. We won't reveal to you who that is. It's revealed to you in the first episode, so if you haven't had a chance to watch it, like Aaron hasn't, we don't want to spoil that for you. It won't be any spoilers at all. But I thought the first episode, and I, I always confuse which one is Owen and which one is Luke. Who's the blonde? Owen? Uh, yes. Okay. That's Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson is tremendous. Yes, he is. He's okay. As he is in everything. Tom is always tremendous in this role. Yeah. And and in this role, you see him run the full gamut of the character's arc in just this one episode. Know, it starts from the villainous Loki, and by the end of it, he's now in the anti-hero realm. Okay, because why? Because over the course of this episode, he gets confronted with his life story, and we'll just leave it at that. But it's exceedingly well-written, well-done. Um, I thought it was absolutely superior to the first episode of WandaVision, which as a series I thought was phenomenal until, well, it was phenomenal. I'm disappointed that in the end there wasn't any great other great revelation other than she's just, you know, grief stricken, right? The opening action scene to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm sorry, Falcon, yeah, uh, and the Winter Soldier, that opening action scene with Falcon there in that valley is spectacular. But the rest of that opening episode is just kind of, eh, meh. This opening episode is greatness. It's very well written. It's very well done. If you look at, I would urge you to go watch the uh, end credits again. There's not an end credits scene like Marvel is famous for, but within the files and stuff from the TVA, there's all kinds of juicy morsels in there that Noah and I were going through last night. It's just, this, this feels like now, the first series was about, I guess, in the end, closing... A, a, a plot hole or coming up with a storyline to move Scarlet Witch, her character further into more of the storyline that she is better known for in the comics. Fair. Yeah. But it didn't move the overall Marvel narrative that much. Fair. Yeah. It moved her narrative, but not the overall MCU. Right. Right. And since this was the first wave of a new phase, you're really looking to see where the, where the meta is going. It doesn't really go anywhere beyond just Closing up the last meta. Fair? Yeah, I think that's true. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is done largely to justify the transition of Falcon assuming the mantle that Cap offered him at the end of Endgame. Fair? Yes. But does it really move the overall Marvel narrative that much? No. no. It just moves again the yes. titular characters. Yes. This one feels like for the first time now. And in Marvel's defense, a lot of these movies and stuff were supposed to already be out or were we were supposed to be further into this phase four. 
but everything's been delayed, of yeah. course. So who knows if that's had an impact on right. the lack of movement of some of these shows, you know, because they, they also don't want to spoil movies that are now going to come out. They've been waiting to release, right? Mm-hmm. But this, in the from the very beginning, feels like now we're moving into a new phase, right? That now we are going to move this narrative along. It feels like it has as much potential to as Wanda, but I could also see this ultimately being just very personal uh, to Loki, just based on what they're doing. And if in the end that happens, listen, we we asked all the time during the saga if the and in other movies, quite frankly, uh, do the writers know what they're doing here? Because you know I'm editing a uh, uh, Steve's latest project right now. And talking a lot about the arc of people's lives. And, you know, uh, there's Satan Sinner in all of us and different amounts on different days. And how we find empathy, speaking of the empathy you mm-hmm. talk about and how we find it in one another. Well, my goodness, in these, the, what they did uh, with Wanda and, and, you know, what grief did to a hero and turned her uh, into a villain. On, on some level, she at least did villainous things in her grief, in her borderline insanity. What what that also a similar story did to the new forgive me. I, I know he's got his own uh, both his regular name and his like comic book name. But the new um, Captain America, the guy who took the mantle in, in the Falcon in the Winter US Soldier. Agent. U.S. agent, thank yeah. you. That guy, while not having super powers initially in that, the, the, the responsibility, the duty that was perfectly encapsulated by uh, the likes of Chris Evans' Captain America himself through that story, it was just too much in a very short period of time. It absolutely broke that guy. And then here, Loki, there's that great scene in a largely, I don't think it's bad. It's just not relative It's to all the other movies. It's not great. But the second Thor movie, uh, I, I hardly remember any of it. But I, I It's ha- considered by some the weakest of all the Marvel movies. And I think that might be fair, but it's not It's not terrible. Even though it introduces one of the other Infinity Stones. Yeah. But yeah. And it's got this great scene, though, that is, it's Loki in a nutshell. He's He's in prison there. And he's he, Loki, the trickster, the images and all that stuff. And he's talking with Thor and Thor's like, let's stop the game. And then he takes off and he's, there's the beaten Loki. You see him with a, his, he's not wearing his regalia mm-hmm. and then he's clear. He's like, he's a guy who's been in prison for a long, long time. And to your point, Steve, you see, the, but that happened, I don't know, months after his initial Avengers uh, villainous appearance here. Like he just got done being the mega yes. villain, and then it's like he's at St. Peter's Gate, and he's shown the totality of his that's life. A great analogy. And it just yeah. he's so disoriented. He's the guy that's normally the t- trickster disorienting everybody else, and in one episode, you see reality, Loki, him, and it just blows his mind. And we have no idea yet what the consequences of this. In this, that's why I can't wait to see like how that mind scramble is going to impact him when it happened in like an hour. What what that experience does is it produces self-awareness. Yeah, there it is. Because see, if you go back to his character arc, um, you know, Odin lied, um, you know, conquered his people. He's not really an Odin son, okay? He's a Laufey son um, that 
Uh, he's really uh, descended from the Frost Giants. Mm-hmm. I'm abused. I've been lied to. And then on top of that, the clearly more vain, banal uh, brother, simply because he's the natural son, he gets the throne that really I'm smarter, more cunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I'm the one that that understands statecraft. He's just a brute. Uh, that, But he got the throne because he's the natural son, so I'm a victim again, mm-hmm. right? You see the internal, you see what happens. He becomes minus self-awareness. It's Wow, this is the conversation we were yeah, just no. having. Minus self-awareness, Loki is a sociopath. You see that yes. happen. Okay, it starts with certainty and devolves into becoming a sociopath. Yes. Just the conversation we were just having about yes. Fauci. And then this experience in not really an afterlife, even though that's a good analogy, yeah. okay, but this confronting of his, uh, his this confrontation peaks and sparks self-awareness. And now suddenly it requ- that requires introspection. Yes. It penetrated his veneer, right? And you know what did it, though? Is this going to be a spoiler if I say what it does? It's the recognition. You know what? I won't say how he comes to this recognition. But there is a great scene in this show where he has shown some things that in the past he thought were where he put all of his faith and where he thought the ultimate power was, right? Right. And he has shown that this is this is a higher power we're dealing with here, and these things are trinkets compared to this. Yes. It's when Loki is confronted with the fact there is a higher power at work in this universe than him. Not stronger. No. Higher. Not even more powerful. Higher. Beyond him. Beyond his comprehension. Nothing that he can outwit, outlast, because remember, he thinks in the first Avengers, he's the one manipulating Thanos here, right? Yeah. That he's the one getting, that, getting manipulating Thanos into doing his bidding so that he can conquer the earth, right? So he knows that Thanos is stronger than him, right? He knows that Thanos is more, has more internal power than he does. Yeah. But there's still this notion that I'm the master of my own fate. I can even mm-hmm. manipulate yeah, yeah. the Titan Thanos, sure. right? It is when he comes into the knowledge that there is a higher power at work. And therefore, everything else that he used to put his faith in everything in is, is utterly every, anywhere from benign to futile to useless. That's what sparks the self-awareness oh, yeah. in Loki. And that's why these guys are so great. You, you just described an incredibly deep point that was made in the film, but it's made in a very casual, offhand way in the film. And I remember just, I stopped in my tracks at the moment you're talking about, Steve, when they just kind of like walk like past, like, oh, yeah. I mean, they took the sum and total of how many films? Mm-hmm. And like in a one scene, they were mm-hmm. just like, yeah, but. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, and it's not rushed or contrived. No, it's, no. It, it's very well done. Uh, if This is the first episode. It's off to quite the start. I got to make sure you and I are talking about the same thing because it is mind blowing. All right. Uh, real estate agents I trust is where you can go. Well, I guess the name kind of is self explanatory to find a real estate agent you can trust because even in these unprecedented times, Bing. thank you, times in which we are now looking at record inflation because apparently it's 1977 again, right? Uh, you want to make sure if you're going into an uncertain market, 
that you've got an agent with a proven track record of success that's been vetted and validated and one that you can trust will come in to take charge of your situation but then ultimately remember who's in charge is you. You're going to find them on this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. This was a website that just kind of began organically from right here within the Blaze media audience. Just uh, people that are here, like our very own Glenn Beck and others who got tired of real estate agents who didn't deliver and then found out, you know, around the country, we've got some pretty trustworthy, successful agents around the country. They're always looking for clients. We got a lot of people that watch and listen. Let's put these two groups together and let's see what see if they can make some beautiful music together, right? So if you want to be the next person to find the right dance partner for the real estate market where you are, realestateagentsitrust.com. So Aaron, you've not seen this yet. We haven't spoiled it yet. I really want to see it now. Yeah, have we really enticed you with what we talked yeah, about? I want to see um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. I, I was less excited to see but that. I mean, Bella and I watched every single episode the day it came out of WandaVision because it was just such a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of watching all the movies again because that's what we do. And uh, But now this one, this one I'm, I might put a higher priority on getting to see it sooner. If I sat in Kevin Feige's office right now and just made the point to him about what ultimately sparks a new level of self-awareness and reflection and humility within Loki, would he get it? Would Feige get it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think it's purposeful? Because you know what this is really a metaphor for. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is the debate we've been having since Wonder Woman, you know, four years ago. I mean, did, did Patty Jenkins really understand what was in her own movie, the belief system mm-hmm. of her own movie, right? Do they understand the full magnitude of what it is that they're preaching here? Because that's 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 kind of what they're doing. Oh, yeah. They're kind of preaching here. And then we would find out how much difference there is between uh, our theism and perhaps their um agnosticism i mean there we both acknowledge that there's a there there mm-hmm. but the agno- agnostic is always on the like yeah but i don't know and we're on the side of yeah but i know because i've been told and it's marvelous and where do we meet in the middle of right. but there's right. kevin feige believes there's a there there of some kind that's gonna do it for today's show we're gonna stick around and record the overtime for blaze tv subscribers at blaze tv.com slash dace you'll be able to watch it later on today at blaze tv.com slash dace that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription if you're not a subscriber yet for the rest of you we will see you tomorrow until then john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network